You're listening to Talking Tricks, the home of amazing stories from magic, circus, variety and comedy performers. Hello and welcome to Talking Tricks, a podcast presented by us, Kane and Abel, two magicians with... Oh, I do that bit. Look, it says we've on the bloody oh, screen. Oh no. Does it matter, they've heard it all before. 15 weeks in and we finally messed up our intro. You've messed it up. Anywho, this week's guest is it's another one from the vault actually. You recorded this one back in the summer. That's right, I recorded this at the Edinburgh Zoo. Edinburgh Fringe, the world's largest arts festival. More on the second largest arts festival in a minute. It sounded like you were in the zoo. I wasn't in the zoo, I was in like a sort of press junket. People were meeting the media and I became media for the day when I met up with Ava Bow during the Edinburgh Fringe. And you went, where did you go? I mean, I could probably hazard a guess. Well, it was it was our day off again, so I probably went to the pub. I did go to the pub because I can actually remember you disrupting me during this one, during this trip to the pub, where you, you rang me up to ask me a question, which I don't know what the question was, but I, I can remember that the answer was Rob Zabrecki. Yes! And now, listening to and doing the edit, there's no mention of this question or Rob Zabrecki in the whole podcast, so... That really, that was a complete waste of time. It, it was, but so that this, you mentioning it, isn't a waste of time. What was the question, dear listener? Answers on a postcard, and uh, I don't know, the winner can get two tickets to our show at the world's second largest arts festival, the Adelaide Fringe, when we open at the beginning of March. Really? I didn't think we could give tickets away to this. Well, of course we can. Why can't we give tickets away to the Adelaide Fringe? I just heard you saying before we can't even give them away. Well, either way, we are flying out to Adelaide next Sunday. So this podcast might be launched a little earlier or a little later, but we will make sure you get one. So to make sure if it does creep into your inbox slightly later, um, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss it. You can also rate and review it whilst you're uh, whilst you're up there helping get up the ratings. Absolutely, and we're also delighted to reveal that you can now listen to our podcast on a new home. You Podbean. can. No, we've always been on Podbean, iTunes. Uh, always been on iTunes, iTunes, Apple Podcasts. We are now part of, so to speak, the Acast family. You can listen to James Acaster, not James Acast. James Acaster's new things that way so rich he's he's got enough so many cardigans he's got enough publicity he's not going to get any more on here but no we are on Acast so you can listen to us on there and of course Podbean and iTunes Apple Podcasts but for now let's welcome today's guest Ava Bo the number one podcast for great stories from the world of magic circus comedy and variety you're listening to Talking Tricks Joining us now is a fantastic magician, expert storyteller uh, with a gothic flair. She's also a regular performer at the UK's top magic bar Illusions and its sister venue, Smoke and Mirrors. Ava Bow joins us now. Firstly, Ava, how are you doing today? Really good, thank you, Lawrence. <laughs> um, I've been seeing all the shows at the Fringe. Running around, saw Phil Jupiter earlier. He was very good. Um, ben Hart last night, he was very good. So yeah, I'm very good. So, seeing shows at this year's Fringe, we're going to talk about your Fringe show last year in a yeah. little bit. But before then, we have to get the burning question out the way, because some people may be able to tell from your voice that you, Ava, 
are a, a woman, woman in oh magic. A woman, what does magic? <laughs> I'm sure you're asked this all the time. It's almost such a simple question that I didn't want to ask it, but I know you've got an interesting answer to it. So we'll start this little podcast with the question I'm sure you hear all the time. Why isn't there more women in magic? Um, I think it's stereotypically men in dinner jackets with top hats and everything. And I think it means that women don't really consider getting into it. But I think it is changing, obviously, now. Um, some people are more adverse to change than others. So I think some people would like it to be more classical. But yeah, I think women just don't consider getting into it. And do you think maybe there's been an issue that we haven't had a real high-profile yeah. female magician? Yeah, it's definitely lacking role models, the magic community. And, yeah, famous magicians. There was Jazz Vegas on that one, but then she was obviously called The Girl, which I didn't quite agree with. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's a bit of a strange situation, really. You look at the big touring shows, like The, the Illusionists. Mm. You look at, you know, that's obviously the last kind of mixed bill magic TV program we had with Killer Magic. Yeah. Both have got a woman. I mean, it's a, a danger if it's just kind of looked at as a, a token female or yeah. if they are cast in a very feminine role. Yeah. Or I think I think I saw The Illusionists, and forgive me if I'm wrong because I haven't seen the latest show, but I think the female magician is kind of... She does get into boxes and it's kind of classical assistant style magic as opposed to... I think women don't speak enough on stage, actually, which is why I tried to be a bit different. Um, I wanted to, my character on stage is quite dark and gothic, and I wanted to kind of represent a strong female character on stage, which I think is quite rare. Um, because if you see female comedians, they're often quite self-deprecating. And I think that's the kind of stereotypical female performer on stage. So I kind of want to change that as much as possible. So, and this doesn't have to be magicians, um, but who were some of the kind of inspirations for you as a performer to what? Oh, that's a difficult question. See, they are mainly, I do, yeah, they are mainly men. <laughs> if I'm going to be really honest. I really like Ben Hart and his storytelling abilities. I think his shows are just really well-crafted and structured. Who else do I really like? I do sort of get more inspiration from comedians, I find, because... I'd like to look at the performance aspect more than the actual magic tricks themselves and the sort of stage presence of people. I can't think of other names on the top of my head. Um, yeah. If any come to mind during <laughs> yeah, the conversation, uh, please do. But I kind of want to get an understanding of kind of what, what drew you to magic then. If it's not a typical hobby for a, for a young girl growing up or a typical career for a, a lady to go into, uh, what first attracted you to magic? Um, I have a really boring story. I just watched Dynamo when I was 16 on TV and then started, just picked it up as a hobby. Um, and then it kind of stuck. It was on the rare, I had so many hobbies as a kid that that was one of the rare ones that actually stuck. But I think I did, I've always wanted to be kind of unique and different. And I think obviously there weren't many female magicians out there, so that's probably what drew me to it because of the uniqueness of it. But again, there weren't, there've never been that many female magicians out there. And I think I did see magic shows when I was younger, but I was never, I never considered taking it up myself because I hadn't seen any women do it. Uh, you mentioned being unique and different. That's actually a quite good area to be in. You know, if, uh, if there's not a clear role model, then you have to kind of beat to your own drum and be yourself. Yeah. You've got a really, I think, unique and exciting performance style. Yes. 
um, for those that haven't seen an Ava Bo show, um, talk to us a little bit about what your show, your act is about. So last year's show was based off Edgar Allan Poe's short stories and I basically retold his gothic short stories through magic. I wanted to kind of, I know that being a female does is already a unique selling point but it shouldn't be so I was determined to make sure I had a different sort of unique selling point so that's why I've gone for I play quite dark, gothic, psychotic <laughs> um, character on stage um, a little bit creepy, but I like to think charming as well, um, to make the audience feel comfortable on stage. So, um, yeah, my performance style is quite gothic, a little bit creepy. I have a, a real-life human heart in a show. It's obviously not actually real, um, but stuff like that. So have you always had an, an interest in that traditional idea of what a magician is and magic and, and a mystical kind of mythology? Yeah, I like the... I like everything on my staging to look quite classical. Um, I think it gives a darker feel where the audience can have a feeling of escape more. Um, and I do like to make, this sounds in the best way possible, I like, I don't think there's anything better than a slightly uncomfortable audience. Um, because if they're on the edge of their seats, they're getting more of a thrill out of the show. Um, and if you can do something a little bit creepy, a little bit different, um, which makes them feel a little bit nervous, but then actually everything turns out to be okay in the end. Well, that's quite a nice feeling. It gives the audience a thrill. It's not all kind of serious, dark magic, though. No. It's quite a funny show. I think you've got yeah. a very wicked uh, sense of humour. <laughs> um, is that something that you kind of purposely think to try and add as much comedy as possible, or is it just at the right point? I, yeah, I love dark humour, and I think the kind of character I play, I think people immediately make a split second judgment when they first see me as a kind of quite tweed innocent female and when the dark humour comes out it kind of um, it's quite shocking in a good way. I just wonder final thing that's going to be really like you're a woman and then we can just talk to you as a human <laughs> being and it's only yeah. because um, there are misconceptions and there are um, about female performers and female magicians and I just kind of wonder what's the what is the reaction from a, the public, and B, the magic community, um, to you as a female performer? I think the public like it, and I'd be lying if I said it didn't give me more work. I think um, presentation can be very good for getting corporate work, um, and as opposed to sort of a 50-year-old guy wearing a suit and sort of a young female performing, you do get more work from that. I'm not saying that's right, but I think it does help in my favour. Yeah, I think it's good to just get as many female strong performers out there as possible to kind of change the perception. For the magic community, it's funny, I went to Blackpool a couple of years ago and I remember me and my friend Laura walked into the Ruskin on the first night and it was a bit like walking into a regulars pub where everyone stares you down. There's just the shock on people's faces. Um, it shouldn't be like that, but I think 95% of the people there were male and you kind of either get blanked entirely or chatted up a little bit. It's very, it's very strange. It was a very strange experience, which you wouldn't really expect. Was it a, a comfortable, enjoyable experience for you? I mean, I know the convention on a whole, you, you would have learned lots of great things and the lectures are brilliant, but 
you know, on a whole, or maybe just being in the Ruskin, did you feel kind of comfortable in that environment? Um, we met some really nice people there, obviously met up with you two as well, and just met some really great people and some really inspiring people, but then also you do get a, it was weird feeling alienated just because of your gender which is just a completely strange concept. Well, hopefully we can get beyond that yeah. um, as we move on as a society into the future. I want to talk a little bit more about you and your magic. Um, so we know there's this overarching kind of stories that you like to tell. Um, and I want to kind of chat about whether those are all um, taking other people's work like you did with the post stuff, or do you kind of create your own stories around your magic? Um, I've not... Yeah, I like to get most of my inspiration from stories as opposed to magic books. Um, I like to start off with the story you want to tell or the effect that you want to do as opposed to the actual magic trick. I think it's much better to work backwards. Um, so I read a lot. I'm an English literature student and I just, I think stories are so powerful. And I think, yeah, I love to tell a story on stage and I think you can get inspiration from just reading as much as possible. Um, finding a story that really grips you um, and then trying to create effects from that and I don't think you should ever limit yourself by method I think you should decide exactly what the effect you'd like to create on stage and then find out a way to do that yeah I'm with you on that one I think Sigfrid and Roy used to say one was the dreamer and the other was the realist I don't know yeah. one of the things like that and uh, me and Kane often think that way. I'll be like, let's do this. And he'll be like, what's the method? And I'll be like, I don't know. You come it's up exciting. with the method. You do it. He do the work. Um, talking of methods, talking of tricks then, um, what kind of magic do you perform? Is it mainly cards, coins, close-up stuff? Is it a little bit of everything? I mean, whether we focus solely on the on the Poe uh, show here and then kind of move on to your, your close-up work and stuff that you do there, what kind of magic are you performing? So last year my show about Edgar Allan Poe, I did do a lot of card magic, but um, that was my first stage show, and it's not where I wanted it to be, but obviously I liked experience um, and confidence. So now, coming back, if I do a show again next year, I'd like to mainly avoid card magic and do a kind of storytelling show where magic just happens spontaneously um, to the audience, as opposed to being presented as separate tricks. Um, and then corporate and close-up work, I do quite flashy, quick magic with cards, but mainly using cards as objects. So card walk, um, tearing a corner off and producing it inside the card, stuff like that. Um, and then some, obviously a little bit of coins and banknote magic. Um, so I like to keep my corporate work very simple. Um, I just have a dress when I do that. So I have six pockets sewn in to each dress, um, so I don't have to wear a jacket. Um, but I like to keep that quite simple. And then on stage, I'm doing another show at the moment in Smoke and Mirrors, and it's all about my, she doesn't really exist, but um, my great aunt from Blackpool who passed away and left her murdered husband's heart for a member of, an unsuspecting member of the audience who's picked out during the show and is seen to be Margaret's long lost love. So it's all quite creepy, but that's kind of different. I avoid card magic in that show as well. Um, so that's something you're working on uh, at Smoke and Mirrors in Bristol. Yeah. Um, talk me through that show then. What, what, what's it kind of called? If it's got a name at the minute, the length of it. Is that kind of spots that you're doing in an evening? Or? Um, it doesn't actually have a name, but it's a 45-minute show. Um, 
every weekend at Spoken Mirrors they have a magic show on Fridays and Saturdays which is two hours long each magician they have two magicians both do 45 minutes with an interval in between so yeah it's definitely worth checking out <laughs> I mean Smoke and Mirrors and Illusions uh, it's easy to look at them both under the same umbrella but they're quite yeah. separate venues well they are separate venues um, <laughs> so I'd like to chat to you about your kind of work at both of those um, separately so as we're on Smoke and Mirrors um, talk me through how you kind of first started working there and for, for anyone that hasn't been there kind of what it's like and for magicians um, kind of ha- you know how it works as a magician there. Yeah so when I started studying in Bristol I was originally doing some bar work um, and then I realised that the magic bars were there and you could kind of audition for them about a year in so I thought I'd go and just have an audition um, there and met Mark Bennett and had an interview um, and yeah he wanted me on board. So I started working at both the venues. Smoke and Mirrors is kind of a small pub ne- near the Hippodrome, um, and that's quite cute. It's got a 50-seater theatre in the back, um, so I do close-up work there just by approaching tables. And then Illusions is kind of a different setup, much more of a late-night bar with a parlour table where you can perform to groups of people that come up. Um, and want to watch a sort of 20 minute magic show. So yeah, they're fun to work in. How you kind of work there, is it is it similar to, let's say a friend's stage show might work better for Smoke and Mirrors, and then is it kind of what you would do on the sort of corporate scene that you would do at Illusions, which is a much more kind of boozy bar. People are there to see magic, but yeah. you do kind of have to get their attention quick. Yeah, I like working in Illusions. Um, it, I just have fun up there now. I used when I started there, I was a little bit less confident. Used to have a bit of a script to start with, and now I'll just stand up at the bar and have a chat with anyone who's there to begin with for a few minutes, and then just basically work off what I think would work well for the audience, and just have fun. I normally finish by getting a signed banknote into a chocolate bar wrapper, which goes down well. Um, and yeah, it's just a it's a really nice venue with a really nice atmosphere because people are just there to have drinks and a good time and the magic is a massive bonus for them um, but yeah and how often what's a working week at illusions and smoke and mirrors look like that is it's not a nine to five but it's nice to have that regular regular yeah. work i'm sure yeah at the moment it's going to be financially through uni but very comfortably um, i work at a second residency on friday evenings called the king's arms up in clifton so i do thir- the normal week for me would be working a Thursday in Smoke and Mirrors, King's Arms on Friday, and then occasionally either Smoke and Mirrors, Smoke and Mirrors or Illusions on the Saturday. So I'm working two or three times a week, which is nice. Perfect. And how many kind of sets, so to speak, will you do in a night at Illusions? Um, so if it's very busy, beginning, we do about 20-minute sets, and then you just, you're alternating with a second magician. So I work there for a five-hour shift. I'm probably doing two in the first hour, one set in the second, two, one, two, so about ten, I reckon. <laughs> I, I guess it's, it was probably quite a big learning curve going in and performing mm. for such a wide range of people and, and so regularly. What have been some of your key lessons you've learned uh, since you joined joined the house magicians at um, <laughs> Illusions and Smoke and Mirrors? I think mainly to just relax. The pe- You learn that actually something goes wrong it's you're not performing brain surgery your job is basically to entertain so you can relax and enjoy that and I think if something does go wrong 
as long as the audience are comfortable that they won't feel awkward if something does go wrong, then you're fine. The audience just need to like you and feel comfortable enough that you're a professional performer and entertainer and that that's okay. So, yeah, I've just learned to relax a lot more and just feed off an audience. So when I approach a group now, I don't know what I'm going to perform and halfway through a trick, I won't know what I'm going to perform next. I just kind of enjoy it and feed off the audience a bit more. And does this, for you, is this very much like works perfectly along with the studies or is the magic occasionally meaning you're not, not doing as much research and essays as possible? Are you, are you managing the two together quite well? Um, uni's definitely slipping. <laughs> I think um, I've been quite lucky that I've sailed by with a 2-1 so far without anywhere near enough work. <laughs> But I'm about to go into third year, so we'll see. I've just moved into a lovely new house, which I've settled into really well, um, which with a good location. So that's enabling me to sort of get up early and get into a good routine. But we'll see. Um, fingers crossed, I managed to juggle everything. Yeah, third third years are always yeah. exciting. You kind of want to do as much going out as possible, but then it's the business end of the degree. Yeah. Um, so you're probably obviously thinking a lot about the future. It, mm. 12 months time when that degree's handed in um, will you be kind of looking to do more at Smoking Mirrors and Illusions will you be looking to kind of work at other places or grow your show what's the plan for you then if I'm going to be honest I have absolutely no idea and I've just been stressing out about whether to pursue magic because I could probably in a year or two get by with just magic but then do I want to pursue something else and have financial security which is always tempting so at the moment, I don't know, I've just decided to work as hard as possible on my degree, get at the best grade I can, um, continue with magic at the same time, keep pursuing that as much as possible, focus on my show for next year year's Edinburgh, and then basically see how the run goes, I think, and decide after that. <laughs> I think it's a perfect thing for anyone considering performing or being a performer to do. That's something that you finish uni, come up to the fringe, uh, go crazy to a show. What kind of ideas are you playing around with for, for that show with regard to maybe venue uh, and then also with regard to kind of themes that we might have during, in it? So at the moment I've just been doing as much research as possible, research that I probably should have done before I wrote the show last year. So I've been reading and been trying to trawl through all of his short stories, there's about 70 in total. So I've just been reading through those. I've got, I think I'll stick with the Poe theme um, because it is a nice, his gothic short, short, short stories do work very well alongside magic, I think. Um, and I like the dark twists he has at the end of each one. I remember reading The Mask of the Red Death, which is a very good story, and feeling actual chills when the impending doom kind of arrived. So I would like to stick with that. Um, and yeah, I've got a year to write it, so I think I can just have fun and actually spend some proper time building props and will this kind of be created with the idea of maybe being a close-up show parlor show a big stage show kind of what sort of rooms are you thinking you'd like to work in so last year i was working in the street which is a very small sort of basement venue it's, it was very nice for my first show um but i think i, I would like to go for something slightly bigger um with sort of more space to do bigger illusions. Um, not sort of full scale illusions, but more sort of parlor size, as opposed to, I, 
I want to avoid doing card magic and... Well, the liquor drinks is a great venue. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll have a word with them there. A word with them, yeah. Uh, see if we can get you in, because I think you'd be fantastic there. You're obviously a well-read lady, doing an English lit degree. You're obviously forced to be a well-read yeah. lady. Poe aside, I wonder what other books um, have kind of inspired you in magic or, you know, what, what are the magic books in itself that you've kind of learned from? So my favourite books when I was younger were the Northern Lights trilogy, his Dark Materials trilogy. Um, I really, I do like fantasy um, and I think you can get so many ideas for illusions and effects by reading fantasy novels um, because there are ideas in there that you could take and actually recreate on stage. Um, at the moment I'm reading lots of 19th century crime fiction, stuff like The Women in White by Wilkie Collins. Um, and again, Poe is in that module because he wrote the first sort of crime novel, crime stories. So my first magic book was Street Magic by Paul Zenon. That was obviously a good book. Um, that had really nice, simple stuff in that was great for a beginner, but actually really effective at the same time. So I really, I really admire that book. Um, I've been trawling through Talbell at the moment, just going through all the old stuff. So I think even though obviously technology is allowing people to do amazing things, it is great just to go back to the simple illusions because a lot of stuff has been done before. And even if you think that something could be improved, you can still get a lot of inspiration by just looking through. And you'll probably look at one effect but end up somewhere completely different. Or you'll even get an idea for a line or a bit of comedy in there just by reading through. You're a, a very theatrical person. Um, I kind of wonder what your your aims and aspirations are with magic. Is it something that you might, you know, do you kind of look to TV as a vehicle you might want to work for? Or are you kind of thinking you'd like to just, you know, maybe tour as much, perform as much live? Where, what's your desires with that? I think my dream would be to do full-time theatre magic. I love the theatre. Um, and I just love the experience that it gives to an audience. Is TV an A? Do you reckon you'd like to do TV or are you kind of not bothered about it? Um, I wouldn't say no. I'm not sure. My friend was suggesting talent shows, but I don't think I'd go for it. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd consider TV, obviously. I think most people would. I think you'd be lying to say, oh no, or you'd be a fool to turn down work that's going to get you good publicity. But yeah, the dream would be to be a theatre, a touring theatre magician. But we'll see where that goes. And um, we kind of mentioned um, Blackpool as a, as a place to go and kind of the magic community. Um, is the Magic Circle something that you're involved in? I'm not at the moment. I've looked at it in the past. Obviously, I'm living in Bristol now as opposed to London. Um, it's just something, obviously, alongside uni and everything, it's been very busy, so it's never been top of the priority list to do. But definitely something I'd be interested in for the future. It's time for Gig of the Week. Gigs of the week. Mm. Lots of gigs this week, um, and there's going to be a lot over the next few months because this is kind of the start to the festival season, really. It all kicks off here with Leicester Comedy Festival of kicking course. off this week. There's lots of stuff going on. Um, if you're in and around or near Leicester, just get yourself down. You'll see some really great acts. One of our favourites, friend of the show, is Katie Pritchard. 
And she is doing, let me just check, da, 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 17 different shows. She's doing a lot at she? the Leicester Comedy Festival. And the one you've chosen for us to promote is the one with the hardest name to say. Tsunami Rami Rami? I believe that's it, yeah. Um, so Kate Pritchard, Tsunami Rami Rami, is on at 6.45 on the 22nd of February at the Brewdog. Are we allowed to say Brewdog? Of course. Brewdog. Leicester Comedy Festival. That's where she's performing. It's our mate, Kate. Yeah, she's little. She's a little ball of energy. She's an incredible musician. Uh, she can play like eight different instruments and she writes loads of comedy songs. And this one is Tsunami Rami Rami. She's also doing one on history. Hilarious histories. I think she's done that one. That one's gone. That one's been and, and gone. gone. And the other thing that I know she's in is she's in uh, Sketch Off. She is in Sketch Off. Which, that would be a real good thing to go and watch. Go watch the Sketch Off finals, which are always at Leicester Comedy Festival. But my favourite new fact about Katie Pritchard is she's the runner-up in Stand Up for Cider. Which is a miracle in itself because I always fall down when I have cider. Well, moving swiftly on. Yeah. The Vault Festival's on as well for people in the south. Yeah, that's in London. Get yourself down to the Vault Festival. All kinds of greatness on there. But Furtherfield, we've mentioned it already, have we? This is coming at the end of the show, isn't it? We've mentioned So we would have mentioned it already. People have heard about the Adelaide Fringe at this point, yes. There's a big festival in a, in a hot country called Australia, which is actually quite pleasant. It's like 25 degrees today, I've looked. Beauty. Yeah. So if you're there this week, get yourself down to the Noel Lothian Hall at 9.15 and watch The Expert at the card table. Now, you, have you heard about this show? I have, but I'd like to hear more. Well, you know, when I first heard about this show, I thought, he's, he's just stolen the name of a book. Yeah. And he's doing a show to hope that he gets more people to come in. Yeah. But it's actually about the book. It is. The show is about the book. Go on, you like books. Tell me about the book. Well, you can join Jaden Redden as he takes you back to the rail yards of 1902 Chicago to uncover the dirty work of the gambling elite through the eyes of S.W. Bernays, the anonymous and legendary author of the seminal gambling and magic book, The Expert at the Card Table. It, it was there last year. It won awards. I'm aware of that. And 9:15 at the Noel Logan Hall. So he's on on now. Almost every day you can see him until I can believe two weeks time when we're going to take over in that room in that slot. Ah, yeah. How convenient. So basically, go to the Noel Logan Hall at 9:15 every day between now and March the 18th because yeah. you'll either get to see Jane and Redden or us. Do you know what SW stands for in SW Erdenes? And No, have you found that No out? one does! Okay. It's a pseudonym. Is it really? Yeah, no one knows what it is. But SW Erdenes, spelt backwards, is E.S. Andrews. Oh, so that must be his name. But no one knows who E.S. Andrews is either. People love spelling things backwards. I'll tell you who will know. Jaden Redden. And we'll get him on the podcast in a few weeks. And we'll put those questions to him. Yeah. You know the guy that wrote um, that book about the uh, the wardrobe and the lion? Yes. T.S. Eliot? No. The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe was T.S. Eliot. I think so. No. Louis Carroll? No. It's, it's... This is a crap quiz, isn't it? <sighs> it's, it's someone S. Lewis. Is it C.S. Lewis? 
Maybe. Was he a detective? I don't know. Don't Google it. You... Well, no, because I found out what the what the CS stands for. Crime scene. No. Keep, keep guessing. You'll never guess. Charlie. Charlie Shotgun. No. C.S. Lewis. Is that what we said? Sounds like a detective. Yeah. But he wrote language for wardrobe. Yeah. And the the C stands for Clive. Right. I would not, never have guessed that very normal man's name. But the S stands for Staples. Clive Staples. His name is Clive Staples. His name was Clive Staples Lewis. Well, there you go. Which, now that I know that that is a name that you can give someone, hmm. I'm going to perhaps name a child. Someone Staples. Clive Staples. Charlie Staples. I mean, Kane, you've deviated very far away from Gigs of the Week, and it's making me say FML. Sorry, I'm, 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 I've gone down a little Wikipedia hole now. All of a sudden, FML. We can't say the full name of the title. Can we say it? Probably can, yeah. Fuck My Life, yeah. the show, is on also at the Adelaide Festival Fringe at 8.40 yeah. at Gluttony. Yeah. Is that all you need to know? It, Gluttony just one big place? Yeah. But it's not actually until next week, is it? So you've got loads of time to prepare yourself to go watch Friend of the Show and magical legend Chuck Fane's daughter, Maggie Fane, yeah. do a show with no magic in it whatsoever. I know. But it's got hand balancing. Well, I've never even seen the show. Well, we like Maggie. I've done a little checklist for you. Coarse language, check. Nudity, check. Sexual references, check. Paul Debeck's girlfriend, check. Adding a Paul Debeck reference back to the show because he's got disappointed that he hasn't been mentioned for a few weeks, check. A show that combines circus, physical theatre and original music, check. That is FML. Have you ever stood back with genuine or sarcastic regard and uttered or screamed, fuck my life? Well, we have, Maggie Fane has, many times, probably more than she would wish to admit. So she's made a whole show about it. Cool. I look forward, I, I am genuinely looking forward to going to see that one. It opens on the 26th, so don't get stranded in Singapore and you can be there. But that was this week's Gigs of the Week, one for next week. As we said, we're pretty much going to pack our bags now and immediately fly to Adelaide by way of Singapore and hopefully we'll get a podcast out to you when we're in Singapore. We might go on a little trip around magic shops and give you something like that uh, and we've got some interviews lined up. But for now... Thank you for listening to Talking Tricks with Cade and Abel. Please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast.